All right, here we go. We had a nice conversation with Kenneth Carter III. Kenneth is, uh, we'll call him Ken. Ken's a broker down in Florida, and he specializes you know, moving freight around Florida, which is a very hard market to do because there's not a lot of things that are made down in Florida. So if you're thinking about, let's say you're moving to the country, you're moving anywhere, Florida's not a great place to start off because there's not a lot of freight coming in and out. But if you do, you want to go to that owner-operator route, and you need a broker, you need a guy like Ken because Ken's the guy on the ground. Now, he was a driver also, which I really liked. And what that means is that he actually had his feet in, you know, he was actually doing the work. And he's a veteran, and he drove truck in the military. His mom drove truck in the military, which I was really surprised about. When we started talking, I was going to go, and this kind of goes, you know, we don't get into the brokering thing for quite a while. Because we, I don't know, it was just a natural conversation. I really enjoyed the conversation. And we really got into the, you know, we just started slipping around. So what did I get from this? Because Ken's somebody I, I just recently met. What did I get from this? Ken's a fairly young man who who wants to rise above his station. He doesn't want to let any limitations hold him back. He had some issues. Uh, joined the military at a young age, went over to Kuwait, dealt with that stuff. And then he had a fatality accident while he was in a truck, hit a bicyclist. He was overcome that. And I like the fact that, you know, the the woman, you know, the, the wife of the man and his children, he looked him in the eye and talked to them afterwards and explained it. And I thought that was pretty ballsy. I don't know if I'd have the guts to do that. And he also, um, you know, he had some prison time. He had a little while there for a while, and you know, he did a little time. But he owns it. And not only does he own it, but he literally owns it full out. He literally comes out and says, this is the thing that I screwed up on. This isn't who I am. This is what I did. And I'm not going to let it happen again. And I'm going to help others and I'm going to show them what I did so they don't do it. And I really, I took, I took, that's what I got from it. The fact that he literally owned his mistakes so he won't repeat them again. You know, it was really inspiring listening to him talk about it. I was really impressed. Now, if you want to move freight, he specializes in the Florida area. He said he's got a guy up in Chicago, so he's moving to Chicago. Chicago's really busy. A lot of rail, a lot of freight goes through Chicago because of the rail network. So Ken's a small company, and he's a newer broker. He's been doing it for a while, but he isn't. You know, he's, still, he's small enough to where he can really get in there and hit the owner of the company, the, you know, he's got guys working for him, but the owner will get his hands dirty and work with him. And I really like that. You know, I like the place where the owner takes responsibility for his actions. Anyway, I like this guy. He's doing a great job. Uh, his mom bought him an awesome chair in the squad cast. I could see the, the, uh, the video and he had an awesome chair and he had four clocks. So anybody with four clocks and an awesome chair and a nice desk, they got to be doing all right, right? But anyway, I like the guy. He was very sincere. And like I said, he owned all his past things, you know, things that he did. And I've always thought that people that own their mistakes are owned. The things that they think are mistakes are very important because sometimes, you know, you just, you can't help what happens. But so anyway... We got a new friend. And the best part about this is if we ever have any questions about brokering or something comes up in a show about that, we can bring Ken on. 
In fact, we're going to be reading Ed Harris's book coming up here pretty soon. Ed Harris, oh, this is a long intro, isn't it? Ed Harris um, is a 60-year driver. He was a Navy CB, CB uh, joined in 66, drove truck in Vietnam. You know, just really uh, just went out and did it. Now, I didn't drive truck in, in the military. I was a radio operator. I was a multi-channel telecommunications radio operator. So I really don't have any experience with that. So I may actually uh, bring Ken on with the Ed Harris interview just because he'll have more, he'll have better questions that are more relevant than I will on the military stuff. I think that'll be important. And, you know, I, you know, cause he did serve in the military doing trucking, which I did not do either that or get Sergeant Mack. Sergeant Mack is a friend of mine from high school. Uh, he's still in the military. He's an 88 Mike. 88 Mike is a military truck driver. These are the guys, these guys do such important work. And, you know, maybe we'll have him on. Now, Ken's going to talk about, he's going to talk about, uh, you know, driving eight, driving truck. He's going to talk about his accident. He's going to talk about his brokerage company. But the thing is, he didn't talk about the brokerage company coming straight out. He talked about himself first, and he put a real, you know, we got a really good clone conversation. So I'm going to break this up in a few parts, and then we'll go from there. And, you know, I hope you guys get into it. But like I said, if you're an owner-operator, you're down in Florida. I'm going to put the links to, to Ken in the, you know, in the show notes. Also, you can find him on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, just look up. I'll put the LinkedIn link in here if I if he sent it to me. Also, the, um, oh, I said, oh, my God, damn it. I'm going to have to buy her a purse. Shit. I can cuss. I just can't say ums and buts. Okay. Because uh, she got too many purses already and shoes. She got like 50 pairs of shoes. I don't get it. I got like one pair of boots. I don't get it. So anyway, that's what's going on. And it's, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Now, later this month, we're going to have, I'm going to do a rebroadcast of Blind Abilities episode, of episode that Blind Abilities did. That's Jeff Thompson. Jeff Thompson, earlier in the year, talked to Dr. Amat Patel. Dr. Amat Patel was amazing. Absolutely amazing. He uh, was at uh, Top Gear. He went over there to Top Gear. He set like, the, I think it was the eighth or ninth fastest speed. Dr. Amat Patel is visually impaired. And uh, if you, you know, if you look up Dr. Amat Patel, A-M-I-T-P-A-T-E-L, uh, I think it's E-L. It's either E-L or A-L. I have to look it back up. And you look at the videos from that on, you know, it's amazing. It truly is. It's just amazing. You know, I mean, he just owned that track. He went out there and he kicked ass and I was watching it. And I just had tears in my eyes. I was just so, it was just such an amazing performance. And the reason why it wasn't because he was blind. It was just because, and he is visually impaired. He's blind and he's a doctor. But the thing is, is when he did that, he just like, you could see like this determination on the man's face. I mean, he was just balls out, just determination. And I really appreciate that. So we're going to be doing that probably later in the month. And don't let the title of Jeff Thompson's uh, podcast, Blind Abilities, fool you. Jeff talks about some amazing things. He talks to some amazing people from all walks of life. And I got to say nice things about Jeff because, well, quite honestly, if I have a microphone issue or I want an audio thing or I have a really a technical question that'll drive people crazy, Jeff's my guy to talk to because I trust him more than anybody when it comes to this audio stuff. Jeff's just amazing. 
you know, he's just an amazing, uh, you know, he does amazing interviews. And when I listened to his uh, Dr. Patel interview, I had actually called him and said, man, you need to talk to this guy. This guy's amazing. And then Jeff had told me, oh, I got him scheduled to come in next week or in a couple of days. And I was like, oh, man, I can't believe it. He beat me to it. So I was like really excited. And then when I heard that interview, he put me in the very front of it a little bit. Oh, my God, it was so exciting. I just listened to that. I've listened to That's my favorite podcast episode of any I've ever listened to. And not because I'm in the very beginning, but because of the the interview and the enthusiasm of Dr. Patel and the enthusiasm of Jeff Thompson. I, I must have listened to that episode, oh, I don't know how many times. Most I never listened to. Never. So anyway, I've been ranting for a while. Let's go ahead and get on with, uh, I'll be doing a Dr. Patel interview later on this month. And let's get, uh, let's meet uh, Kenneth Carter III. I think you're going to like him. And if you're in Florida and you don't have any freight and you need to get out of Florida, I think you're really going to like him because he's the guy that's going to get you out of town. He's the one that's going to get you rolling. And he's the one that's going to be making you some money. All right? And I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a pretty big business. So, all right, here we go. Meet, meet Kenneth Carter III. Let's get on with the show. Keeping that hammer down all across the nation. Checking cities off his list. Sharing stories of the road right here on his station. You are listening to the Kingfish. Yes, you've tuned in to the Kingfish Radio Network. Mm. Expand your mind. On the open road with Kingfish, right here. All right, here we go. Now we're recording. Today we got Kenneth Carter to the third, and that no, not John Carter, not the guy who went to Mars, but <laughs> Kenneth Carter, and he's a, a freight broker down in Orlando, Florida. So tell me your story, Ken. Can I call you Ken? Oh yeah, definitely. Everybody else does. Well, so uh, I guess I'll start in the back in the days. 2001, where I, uh, dang, 2001, that does sound like back in the days, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> okay, well, right out of high school, graduated, probably, I think, three months, I went into the military, and my mom was a truck driver, so she told me all these stories about being a truck driver, so I was like, you know what? I don't want to go to college. I guess I'll go to the Army, and that's how I started, so I went in, started as an 88 Mike, probably got a different name for it now. A motor no, that's the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's good to know. Uh, motor transport operator. And I was also a hazmat fueler. So I did that for three years, went overseas, went to Kuwait. That was, uh, that was pretty different. Pretty much driving in the sand, which is funny because when I first came out of the military and I drove a, a regular semi truck, I turned too tight and hit a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do that. I do doubles and big boxes. 
and if I, you know, I did big boxes for years and then I did it or doubles for years. And then I went to go do a big box and then I went to, it was going through the truck stop. I looked at my mirror and I was like, Oh shit, shit. You, you don't have, you don't have, you don't have, you got the big box. You got to take those turns wide now. Oh yeah. I still do that with trucks. After you drive for so long for hours upon hours, and you forget that you got a trailer behind you and that you want to just go in and switch lanes. Like, hold on. I got 53 feet behind me. Oh yeah. It, well, now I'm just the opposite. I've been doing it for so long. It's like, I'll be in my car and I'll be like, Oh, wait a minute. No, you don't have 53 feet behind you. What are you doing? <laughs> I know, you know, right? Or, or I'll, uh, you know, I'll make the turn like a left turn in my car and I'll be like, why did I go all the way out here to do this? Yeah. Right. I don't need to do this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to support, I'm going to, I'm like, I get a little hot rod, a little 23 hot rod. And it's like, I don't need, I could, why am I waiting for that car? That's half a mile away. <laughs> To go by me i could be across here before you know in the truck it's like you know zero to 60 in like a couple minutes you know yeah. so you went to, so you went to kuwait i was uh myself a much younger generation i drove a gamma goat which is a you don't even know what that is do you I do not at all they were getting rid of them when i was in it's a six-wheel drive vehicle and it was from vietnam and it was older than i was and the thing floated at least that's what they told us i never floated it i wouldn't even try it would flip <laughs> over backwards before it would stop climbing. It, look, look it up when we're done. Gamma goat. It's Gamma goat. Yeah, it was beast. But it, the engine was directly behind your head. It had a big old diesel engine. It was so loud. You had wow. to wear headphones. And I was in the signal corps. So I was a radio operator. So, uh, you know, you guys used to bring us the water, you know, those big, uh, uh, those, you know, those big round bags they'd fill up on the flatbeds like when we we're in honduras and that's where we got all our water from so we dealt with you guys a lot oh yeah because without, yeah, without the 88s it's like oh we're not eating and we're not drinking nothing and and it literally goes back to if you know a truck if it if it was brought a truck brought it i know people i think they realize that now after this whole pandemic it's like you know what trucks do provide every pretty much every single thing that we have in our homes well, don't don't worry, Ken. Um, when this is all over and things start to calm down, people will go back. You know, like right now they care about us because you know we're bringing everything, but they'll go back to flipping us off on the highway as soon as this is all over. <laughs> things will go back to normal. That's guaranteed. Is it me, or is there always some older lady who's flicking me off? Only after they go by you and they know they can get away. Yeah, I think that's a Florida thing. Yeah, everybody. You know, as soon as they can get by and they know they, they can get away from you, then they just start, you know, they start doing their thing. If they don't think they can do that, then they're, you know, then they're all scared. Yeah, but of course, <laughs> I'm not that violent, but if you're going to, you know, if you're going to flip me off, at least pull over and, you know, let's have a talk. Yeah, sure. That's what you, you know, call it. That, talk. Yeah, yeah, but that'll never happen. Because <laughs> quite honest, yeah, well, I mean, how many times has someone flipped you off? And you, you literally have no idea what it's about because it's, wait a minute, why is this guy, I don't even understand what he's mad about. And he's probably mad about something that happened because maybe you couldn't get over because it there was somebody on the other side of you, but he don't know that. Or, you know, there's something going on that he don't know about. And you didn't even know he was there because he was hiding in your blind spot. Yeah, well, or he's pissed off. What's that? So yeah, when they flick me off, I either wave at him with a nice smile or blow him a kiss. Oh, that's a good one. That gets them mad. <laughs> well, and the other thing, yeah, half the time it's like they, you know, you don't even know why they did it, and it's just like, you know, I don't get it, you know, or they just they don't understand. You know what I mean? They don't. It's it's the nature of the business. Uh, and you, I used to get flipped off a lot more when I was in a slower truck. 
Now they have a faster truck. It doesn't seem to happen nearly as often. I don't know why. It just You're cruising down the street with them now. That's why. Yeah, they, if, they, if they think they, you can catch them, they're not going to do it. And also, <laughs> back in the day, well, and everybody got a camera now, so they don't do it as much. That's true. I see so many cameras. Oh, see, like uh, back in the early days, you know, back in the, like late eighties, you know, seventies, even. You know, the girl, I didn't drive back in the seventies. I didn't start till the nineties, but you know, like girls drive by and they'd flash and all that kind of stuff. And they don't do that anymore because everybody got a camera. Or they, they're posting on some uh, website. You got the paperwork. Uh, it's no. not free anymore. That's wrong. That's wrong. If it isn't natural, it isn't worth it. <laughs> They'll make it as but, natural as you want it to be. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I but I didn't go anywhere. The only place I went to was Honduras. I didn't go, you know, all the all that stuff ended before I got in. Yeah, I only started after I got in. And then uh, a buddy of mine, uh, 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 first sergeant Jeff McKenna's, he, uh, uh, Sergeant Mac, he's uh, he went over to Kuwait and all that. So I get to hear some of that. He's you know, friend from high school. Okay. But I'm lucky I didn't have to do that. Yeah, I just say it's really hot over there. Oh, I couldn't even imagine it. Talk about AC with trucks. I mean, you know, in the military, first of all, you don't have AC. And then you're in 130, 140 degree temperature. There's no AC there with a full suit on. It's not nice at all. Oh, when you when you say full suit, you, you're wearing you're wearing the full BDUs. You're wearing the um the flak vest. You're wearing you got to wear the helmet. Yep. Oh. You you wearing the goggles because of the sandstorms gloves i mean it's, it's rough oh man and of course i i take it that your best friend is your sunglasses oh yeah definitely i still wear sunglasses every day it can be cloudy i'm still wearing sunglasses oh me too i mean i imagine you get in an environment like that and you lose your sunglasses you're screwed oh for real you are because it wouldn't take yeah because it wouldn't take long to fry your eyeballs oh yeah it's definitely hot one time we was there and um I was asking them about, you know, there's no trees or anything or no, because we're in the middle of the desert, no plants. One day it rained. It rained for about, I want to exaggerate, three minutes. And within that three minutes, a little flower bloomed. And about 10 minutes later, it was dead again. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. That is that is so bizarre. <laughs> but see, I think that's cool that you that you noticed that stuff. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, you got nothing else to do. That's before cell phones. I heard. I heard they have cell phones over there now. You know when they basic training and everything. You know, I heard I heard about uh, the kids having basic, you know, cell phones and basic training, and I was like, Yeah, what? What? We had one phone call a week for ten minutes on a payphone. That's what we had. In fact, when when I was in, um, uh, Marvin Gaye had had passed away while I was in basic training. That's a huge event. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, that's the whole country's talking about it. We didn't know about it till a month later. What? Yeah, because in basic training, you're cut off from all news. You're cut off from all outside sources. And then when we got out, somebody told me, and I was like, get out of here. And then when they told me how it happened, I was like, you know, with his dad shit and all that. I was like, no, 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 that's a lie. That's BS. No, it's true. But you're so blacked out from the media, so information, because all you got is the guys around you. Exactly. And now they another guy i can't imagine cell phones that just sounds like a problem to me well you know a big event that happened when i was in basic training was 9 11. oh you were, you were in during 9 11. yep i went in in august 2001. 
Oh man. And then they Where'd uh, you they, go? Uh Fort no Fort Leonard, Missouri, where I did oh. my basic and AIT. Oh man. I just did uh, uh I was at Fort Dix and then I went to Fort Gordon. Okay, I've never been to those places. Yeah, the uh Fort Dix is uh well, it's New Jersey. What else can you say about it? And then uh, <laughs> but Fort Gordon was pretty. And then I went to Fort Bragg. Okay. Well, Fort Benning and then Fort Bragg. Fort Benning. Uh, yeah, I was there. That's why I was stationed at Fort Benning, uh, Kelly Hill. Yeah, well, I was only there for Fort Benning for uh, jump school. And then they, they were there for like three, four weeks. And then we went straight to Fort Bragg. It was like a two-year waiting list for the jump school when I went to go. Are you serious? Yes. I mean, it was a long year waiting time so many people wanted to do it i guess it was cool then oh i heard people breaking their ankles i was like oh okay i don't want to even be on this list anymore you know what when i was in um i was in a jump my unit was like half airborne half leg and i don't know it was because it was a signal unit and we jumped quite a few, i don't know maybe 30 40 36 times 35 times something like that and the worst I ever saw was a few sprained ankles and things like that. Never saw anybody get hurt. Well, I mean, I broke my ankle twice in high school. So I was like, no, nope, I don't need another one. Playing football. Yeah I, see, yeah, I can see where maybe you might be a little bit more. Because you do hit the ground pretty hard. You know, yeah. when you, you, you're out there and it's like you, you get out of the plane and, and you've never heard so much cussing in your life. <laughs> get away from me. Get away from me. Because we'll black out the sky. There's so many of us, you know. And then sometimes you get guys walking across shoots and, you know, get away from me and that kind of stuff. And, and, um, yeah, you'll, that's where you hear the most colorful cussing in the world. Everybody hits the ground, but before you hit the ground, it's just, it gets kind of, kind of quiet and serene and, you know, it's really beautiful. And then about a hundred feet up with the ground, it's like, oh shit, I'm going to hit the ground. This is going to hurt. <laughs> I didn't you know hit I was going to hit the ground. <laughs> oh, you hit the ground pretty hard. One time I went up, man, and, uh, I didn't hit the ground. I went out. I, I mean, I did eventually, but I went out. I was going to say, you know, did you start floating? Yeah, I did. Yeah. what I mean, it, it's weird. What happened was I must have caught an updraft because we went out. It was a fun jump where, you know, because your, your pay was you jump and it's good for either three, three months in the past or three months in the future for your hazard pay. And I needed a jump because I hadn't jumped in three months. So I needed to get one for the, for the three months past, you know, like if you jump in, March, it'll cover you for January, February, March, or it'll cover you for March, April, May. Okay. So I needed to get one. So I showed up on the weekend and it was a pass of like, I don't know, maybe like three or four C-130s. And they kept doing it. I think it was, I don't remember. But anyway, and then they had some A-10s flying up above, you know, doing circles and shit. Basically what a fun jump is, is on the weekend, those pilots need their time to get their, you know, qualifications or whatever. And then the A-10 guys, you know, they're all like airline pilots and shit like that. National Guard guys doing their time. Okay. That's how they do it. Because the regular guys don't need their time. You know, they already get it. Right. And then so, and I needed to jump and there was a bunch of us. So everybody at Bragg who needs a jump shows up. We call it fun jump. You know, you don't have your, uh, you don't have to have your weapon or your gas mask or, or your rucksack or any of that. Because, you know, getting rid of all that stuff loses, it loses a lot of weight. So that's why they call it a fun jump. Okay. Just trying to, you know, trying to waddle around with a hundred pound rucksack and your M16 tied to your leg and, you know, the gas mask tied to you and then all that crap is, you're still wearing your helmet and you're still got your BDUs and all that stuff, but you're, you don't have all the, you know, just the rucksack and the weapon and all that shit, which makes right. life a lot easier. And you can relax a little more because you don't have to sit there and stare at the thing every two seconds. 
you know what I mean? Like, you know, you have to watch. So anyway, we, we get out the plane and, uh, you know, I'm out, everything's fine. Everything's normal. And I look around, everybody's going down. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of weird. And then I started going up. At least I think I was going up. I'm not really sure. Cause there's no, there's nothing to, to, you know, to compare it to other than right. the people going down. So then I'm like, Oh, okay. Then the next pass goes overhead and I'm still just kind of like hanging there. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's kind of weird. And then, <laughs> then like the fourth pass comes over finally, and the, the 130s are getting a little closer every time. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is really bizarre. I've never, I've never seen or experienced this before. It literally felt like there was somebody holding my chute, uh, you know, uh, just holding it in place. And it, and it wasn't moving. It, it kind of was, but it, and it didn't last very long, you know, maybe like, I don't know, three, four, five minutes. When you do stuff like that, uh, the time means nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I looked up at, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a smart ass. I looked up and I said, Hey, it's okay. I get it. I get it. You can let me go now. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, and then immediately I started falling. Wow. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if the, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. happened and I don't want to know. I'm, but I'm going to church on Sunday. <laughs> you know, make a guest appearance. <laughs> But and then you know I got on the ground and my buddies were like, "Where have you been, man?" And I go, "That was that was up there. That was me." And they're like, "That was you, dude. You were just hanging there." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. It was, it was weird. It was. I didn't know what to think of it. I've I've never. I'm sure it was just something natural. I don't know. But normally we would go out the door and hit the ground. You know, go out the door, shoot open, boom, hit the ground. And you know, I still hit the ground pretty hard. So." But, you know, because you got to tuck, roll. It's not like these these uh, shoots where they land and they walk on tiptoes and, you know, the civilian world. <laughs> you know, yeah. In the military, you hit the ground and, and people, why do you do that? So you're not up there when they're shooting, I guess. Yeah, you want to get down. You don't want to be like floating and jogging while bullets are flying at you. Oh, yeah. You want to hit the ground fast. But when you're, you know, when you're in training, man, you hit the ground and it's like, ugh. But, you know, we used to... Uh, uh, you know, the worst I ever saw was a few, you know, twisted ankles, nothing big, okay. you know, uh, I rolled on, I rolled on the outside of a C-130 once, but I didn't get hurt. So that was no big deal. Uh, cadet behind me pushed me and I tripped and I stumbled and rolled down the outside, but I broke loose. It wasn't like I got, I didn't get hurt or nothing. That kind of startled me. When I was in a uh, basic training drill sergeant playing around and tripped me and the butt of my weapon hit my mouth. And yeah, but it's crazy. It was so cold in Missouri during the winter that the blood puddle was there two or three days after. Never dried. Oh, that's crazy, man. It was freezing cold out there. But uh, it was good, though, because now I didn't have to go sleep in the tent. I slept in the drill sergeant's tent. They have, they have a nice little heater going on there while they got us freezing out there. Oh, see, now they're being nice because they, yeah. after he trips you, right? Yeah, I got a scar on my lip from it. The the worst I ever had in basic training was um, some dude. He was I was seventeen when I went in. I was really tiny. I was like five foot seven when I went in. I was really tiny, and I didn't get you know I, I'm a little bit bigger now, but I was really tiny. And some dude, his wife had broke up with him or something. So I was walking down the hallway, and he smacked me with his M16, <gasps> you know, in the gut. And I keeled over. I got I was really uncomfortable, and I knew I knew as you know, when you're surrounded by that many men in that small environment, 
you got two choices. You know, you can ignore it and you're everybody's little pet or you go take care of business. So I grabbed my M16 by the end of the barrel and I swung it over the top of my head and crashed it down on his head. And I broke the stock off and uh, never had a problem after that. I'm sure you didn't. You know, but what choice do you have? You have to do that. You know, because this guy was twice as big as me. And if I would have took him on, you know. It would have been worse for you. I would have got my ass kicked. So you just got to show you're crazy. But in your case, it's a drill instructor. You're not going to fight him. <laughs> you're going to get really manhandled. You do that. Yeah. You're, you know, you're, you're, he's, he's had everything come at him. And yeah, I'm an 18 year old little boy. Yeah. He's, he's got life experience. Plus he's had, you know, everything thrown at him. He's had the experience. What are you going to throw at him that he don't know? Exactly. That's like driving now, you know, you've been driving so long. You know what could what could anybody throw at you that you know that's unusual? So how 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 long were you in the military? Just three years. Was it a, a I want to get away from things and break loose and then try to find out who I am kind of thing? Uh, it was crazy. I um, was going through a breakup with a girl, a uh, high school sweetheart, and I felt like the way I can get, I guess, become a man was to go to the military, and I can get a job and and I can get my own place to stay. You know that whole that whole 18 year old thinking. And then I ended up get, getting back with her and it still didn't work out. So I learned my lesson. Oh, no, you're a man. You didn't. <laughs> right. We keep doing it over and over. For me, it was, um, I needed to get away from where I was at and what I was doing and I didn't have anything going on. So I just joined and I figured, well, this will, I can reinvent myself. Yeah. And it guide you somewhere. And I could go see something different. I thought, well, I'll go see the world. I'll go see the world. You know, this will be interesting. I'll go see the world. And then they sent me to New Jersey. You went to see the world, all right. <laughs> and, yeah, then, then they sent me to Georgia. And then they sent me to, you know, you know, uh, Fort Bragg. I did get to Honduras, though, which yeah, wasn't all that. It wasn't, it wasn't all that exciting, but it was different. Right, right. You know, and, it, and I got to see how people live in a place like that, where there's a lot of oppression and there's a lot of, you know, there's no jobs and, you know, people are just barely making by. And it really opened my eyes to the way the rest of the world, some places in the world can be, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. Iraq was the same, middle of the desert with the sheep herders. And they, they live in a little tent in the middle of the desert. It's like when it's dark, when the sun goes down, then it's dark. That means go to sleep. They don't have lights or anything like that. Well, see, that's just the, you know, we grew up here and we're so bombarded with our culture here that, you know, when we go someplace like that, it's like, you guys do what? <laughs> you know? And then when you start to think, when you start living it, you know, if you actually live it, live it and not like when you're in the military, you live it. When you live it, you, you get it. You're like, you're like, oh, okay. I see why they do what they do. It makes sense. Right. You know, it makes sense. It's like my boy, he was, uh, um, it's kind of sad. He, uh, he, uh, couldn't make it in the army. So he joined the Marines. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I know. I know he, uh, he just wasn't good enough for the army. So he had to join the Marines, which we both know is not good as good as the army. Yeah. The crazier. Yeah. His, uh, his army, his Marine buddies, they think that's funny when I say that <laughs> they, um, so he went, he's a, weather, he was a weather forecaster. You know, so they could figure out when it's going to be muddy so they can go out and do their shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and he goes, um, he gets put over in Japan, you know, or the you know over in Japan over over in Okinawa, and he's like, uh, he goes, Dad, do you, uh, you know, do you mind if I don't come home for leave? You know, and I was like, why would you want to? I go, everybody, you know, everybody here, your buddies are all doing the same shit when you left. I said, you're in Japan, you're in the military, you're living in this place. Go explore it. Go, right. go see it. Go experience it. I said, you're never going to be able to, to visit Japan like this ever again in your life. I said, when you get your 30, take your 30. Uh, when I say 30, I say 30, they leave. If anybody's listening. And then go explore Japan. Go see Japan. Go ride the bullet trains. Go to the ramen stands. Go be a local. Go make friends with some locals. Learn the place. I said, and then when you come back, you'll have a greater appreciation of where you grew up at, or you know, or at least you'll you'll have a better understanding of what others go through. And that's what he did. And then he ended up, he ended up coming home married. Wow, <laughs> I know. Is that cool? That is. <laughs> yeah, uh, can I have told him? I said, man, I said, <laughs> you will never ever, and I, you know, because as a young cat, you don't understand because you think, oh, I'm in this place. And I'm living here, and this is the way this is. I could do this anytime. No, you can't because you got the backbone of Uncle Sam behind you. You're living in the tent to the barracks. You're not paying shit. They're feeding you. You could explore. It doesn't cost you nothing. Right. And making some money on top of it. Yeah. It's the best way to go, man. I mean, it just doesn't get any better. And well, you're not making much money for what you do. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. And let's face it, you know, I have high regard for our guys in uniform because I, you know, not just because I was one, but because I know what they go through. It's 99% boredom. There's not, not too much going on. And it's 1%. Oh, shit. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's the oh, shit that you get paid for, whether that's a barracks inspection or preparing for, um, you know, building up a defense for a site or preparing, you know, making sure you're getting ready for a convoy or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you do. Everything has to be perfect because you can't, you know, you can't, if you get stuck behind and it holds everybody up, Yep. you know, so everything has to be perfect and you don't want to be that guy. Imagine with you in the convoys, uh, Oh, uh, you know, my tire blew, but I knew that I knew that I should have replaced that tire. No, we oh, don't yeah. do that. you, you know, because <laughs> it's embarrassing. You, you know, something like that happens. You know, and you always we always have those screw-ups in every unit. You know, it's it's embarrassing for it to happen. Plus, you're 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 the weakest link. You know, you can't be the weakest link. Everybody's gonna though, be on the same page. That, and that's in boredom. That's when you're supposed to be doing your inspections. You know, you should be in that in that yard, making sure everything's right, checking every tire, every crack, every crevice, every screw, every bolt, just to make sure. So when that time does come, you're good to go. Oh, absolutely. It, it's just like uh, driving truck with your pre-trip, you know, do make sure that everything's perfect, make sure everything's right. And when you're on a road, like during the winter, if something breaks, then you know that it was something that was out of your control. If it was something you could have fixed beforehand, before you got to the side of a mountain in 30 below weather, you know, the, you know, you want to make sure it isn't your fault. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, so you went, so you, you did the trucking. And you know what? How do you? What do you do? So many miles a week. You got you got bids. You got to go so many places. How does that work in, in the military when you're over in Iraq? I mean, uh, uh, Kuwait. Oh well, you pretty much you go on missions. You do a lot of driving missions. 
they want you to get used to terrain. You do a lot of blackout driving where all the lights are off and you're oh, in a convoy. Yeah. yeah, you know, the 30 trucks all behind each other. And all you have is three little red dots that shows you the brake lights. But the problem with that is you have all this sand kicking up. So, I mean, you think about 30 huge semi Well, the tires are actually bigger. 30, like, tractor-sized tires kicking up all this sand, and you're trying to look for a red light. You had a lot of accidents, a lot of bumps and nudges. So we did that for a while. And then we did, uh, we, uh, at one point, when you're resting, this scud missile alarm goes off. Now you're jumping up, getting into your trucks, and you're, you're setting up a perimeter, this huge circle digging a hole and you're making sure that nobody's coming. But the problem is in the desert, they can come from anywhere. So everybody's just this huge circle. You got you and your battle buddy, one sleeping in the back of the truck, like a pickup. The other one's watching guard. You guys just rotate throughout the night. So that was really interesting. So you, you, you find a way to sleep. Well, you know, we used to do the, the night driving thing on base and this was in peacetime. And trying to follow those little lights in the front, and then it's got the tiny little headlight pointing down that doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, I found it so stressful, man. And I can't even imagine, you know, I mean, that alone was stressful to me. Cause like you said, they'd, they'd stop in front of you and it'd be like, oh shit. Oh wow. And, you know, you just stop and die. you're not going very fast. But to be certain, you know, knowing that there's bad characters out there and then you got all this other stuff going on, I couldn't even imagine the stress of something like that. It must have been intense. Oh yeah, but we're going fast though. You gotta, you gotta keep a certain speed. So you're, you're pretty, you're hauling maybe 50 miles per hour. So you can hear when another, a truck hits another truck, some oh loud clash. But you keep moving. There's no stopping. I mean, you just keep moving. Do you ever loot? Do you ever some guy just like going the wrong direction? It's like, well, well we lost Fred. He's going down. <laughs> that yeah. ever happened? No, we didn't have that many idiots. Fred was probably in the passenger side. Cause you know, I can see, I can see that like, you know, it's like, Hey man, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think that's our guy up there, but Oh no, that's the North star dude. Back off. Everybody's <laughs> went the other way. I thought somebody turned left. <laughs> like, How did that happen? Well, you know, let me ask you this. Cause you know, the driving that you did there was very unique. I mean, very, very unique. Right. So how did that affect your driving when you got back here? I don't really think it affected me too much. Uh, you know, a lot of my younger days, I was never really aware of what's going on. That makes sense. I was just kind of living life. And, you know, I got, I feel like I got lucky a lot. So I like, I'll land a nice job. And I'm like, well, I don't really know how I got that job. And that was the same thing with the military. I was kind of just floating through. I, I still remember the experiences, but I never really took those experiences and applied them like I should have when I, when I initially got out. 